All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. But first, join us for a new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, April 20th. It's almost the end of the month. Can you believe it? I know. Time flies. I am John Van Trieste, and as you can hear, joining me in the studio today, we've got Shirley Lin. Hi. Up next, Taiwan's museum soldier on through COVID-19. Then, why red algae from the island of Kinmun has become a hot commodity. And a traditional art form may have its youngest ever master. We'll be hearing about one young person's decision to follow an unconventional career these days. All that coming up next. Please stick around. First up, though, uh, one of the keys to Taiwan's success in fighting COVID-19 has been the number of people we've told to go into quarantine. Uh, we've kind of contained the thing from pretty early on. Um, for those who are stuck in quarantine, though, uh, it's been kind of hard to get out of it sanity intact. We're going to be hearing about one person's solution to <laughs> keeping their head on and getting through the quarantine period. Right. Well, this guy, he... Um he uh, actually was, I guess it didn't say why he was in quarantine, but I guess maybe he just came back from abroad or something like that. So he's required uh, to be in, on quarantine for 14 days. But on the 13th day, and he posted about this, you know, um, he just couldn't stand any longer. So he said he had to go out to the park and take a walk. And we're going like, what? But actually, he's talking about the fact that he was taking a walk in the park virtually because oh, okay. using thing. Google Map. And he showed all this on his post, you know. So nobody was like scolding him or anything like that because you know that if you break uh, the, the the regulation, you could be fined thirty three thousand U.S. dollars. So serious yeah, amount of cash. Serious, very very serious. So anyway, it just showed him um, on the thirteenth day. He posted saying. I'm in quarantine on the thirteenth day, taking a walk in the park, and then he was all by himself. And the park, there was no, no, nobody there. He was taking a pretty brisk walk and everything. And then you can, you can really move along with Google Street View, can't you? Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and so then 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 everybody that was watching this uh, realized that he was actually taking a walk in a park on Google Map. So you know, um, yeah. But um, everybody was saying like, wow, if you can do that, then you can go take a take a trip around the world. And I think and I'm thinking. Been doing it, yeah, yeah. I think some people have been doing that. I'm sure. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, without you know spending money and going to the countries that you've been, always been wanting to go, dreaming of going. What, hmm. I don't think that's great. I think Google also has like online exhibits or museums or something like that that you can go check out. Yes, I've seen it once, and I've, I need, would need to like look it up again how you get there. But I uh, know there are a lot of things you can do without leaving the house, and it's warm enough in Taiwan anyway to crack a window these days too, so you can get a nice breeze mm. and feel like you're outdoors. Oh uh, well, it's still not the same. I think. No. I think if if, if I were him, I think I'd really, really go crazy. 14 days is really, really long time because as it is, I couldn't stand just staying home, not doing anything for a day or two. Uh, yeah, it does get yeah. A, bit, a bit, yeah. 
but 14 days, you know? But um, but anyway, I was, you know, the, yeah, well, I mean, some of his netizens, of course, suggesting that, well, if that's the case, then you can go take a trip around the world yeah. using Google Map. And it just reminded me how I've always wanted, I had a dream of going to Europe mm-hmm. and finding my, my dad, you know, made that dream come true. But it was funny because... At the age of 12, that's when I really want to go on a trip to Europe. Right. And it wasn't until, what, what it was like a couple of years ago that I actually made the trip when I was like <laughs> 40-some. And, and my dad was asking me where I wanted to go. And I said, well, um, I, you know, I, I don't really have anywhere in particular. And he was going, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> because I feel like I've already seen so many posters and pictures and right. billions of you know other people's postings about all these different places like the Eiffel Tower and everything I said yeah. you know um, I just I, I don't have anything in particular but that's it's not the same being there true than watching it on Google Map I guess but anyway I, um, so. I, I think it's worth pointing out that not every country has Street View I think it may be not allowed in some places oh either okay because of security or privacy concerns that but, makes sense that um, makes sense a lot sense. of places you can go I've been a couple different places yeah. Sometimes I like to just find a random place that looks like, I wonder what's there, you know, an island somewhere and see if they have any pictures. Yeah, Curious John, Curiosity gets it's, over you. Same here, all right? Yeah. But, you know, um, those people who were, was reading his post, they were saying that, wow, you're, you're taking a very positive attitude towards, <laughs> you know, um, disease prevention. There you go. But others were saying that, just one more day, just one more day, you're free. <laughs> and, um, and some others really appreciated him just really holding out and keeping to, you know, the regulation, all that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Keep everyone safe. Flatten the curve. Well, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised to hear that the number of people going to museums these days is significantly down. But we have some figures to tell you by just how much, actually. Um, Especially this has become the case since the government issued social distancing guidelines at the end of March. Uh, They don't want more than 100 people indoors. And that started on March 25th. And there's a, uh, a lot of uh, museums that have put that into place. And they're also telling people starting on the first of this month to avoid, you know, exhibitions, too. And if they're indoors, to stay 1.5 meters from everyone. Well, in certain museums, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. Um, and so even some of the big museums where you probably could get away with standing some distance from others... Uh, are finding that the number of visitors is just dropping. Mm. Of course, it doesn't help that, th- that the borders are shut to visitors, to tourists. So there's a lot of the people who normally would be going to these places. That's a big factor. <laughs> so uh, the National Palace Museum, down the road from here, which is one of Taiwan's biggest tourist attractions, has ca- started capping the number of visitors in any gallery at 100. And it sounds like they haven't had much trouble, actually, though, because... Uh, there haven't been that many people. <laughs> around a week ago, they said that the number of visitors has fallen from the usual 7,000 to 8,000 per day to just a few hundred total wow. each day. Wow, that's a huge drop. So if they have 100 in the whole museum, and it's a big museum, <laughs> yeah, you can spend the whole afternoon in there just oh, wandering. Definitely. Um, you can get lost in there. Um, yeah. Uh, they have just a few hundred for the whole day. Oh. Um and so they wouldn't have any problem of like controlling the number of people. I then. don't think that's such a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so the, the 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 cap seems to be more hypothetical than something they actually have to do. Mm. They have a southern branch in Jai County, and they've done the same. But uh, they've set their cap at twenty to fifty people per exhibition. I think it may be a bit smaller because of the floor space. Um. Yeah, it is smaller. I've been there. Yeah. Right. And it's out in 
really kind of suburb. It's not really a very easy to get to area. <laughs> no, I don't think. no, it isn't. But and so I think visitor numbers have always been a bit more modest, but they've still dropped quite a bit too. Um, they said that the latest visitor numbers are from February. So I guess in January they had about ninety four thousand or so visitors. Oh, really? By February that had fallen to forty five thousand or so, and I'm not sure. It's probably fallen more since then mm-hmm. as these rules have come into play. The Taipei Fine Arts Museum, our neighbor down the road, really right down the road, mm-hmm. we're, we are on the same street. Yeah. Um, they said that the number of visitors uh, is usually around 1,000 daily. That's dropped. And now, starting in early April, they've had around 500. So it's halved, basically. Um, and I've walked by there, not usually when they're open, so I guess it doesn't count, but I don't see anyone. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone around there. Yeah. Uh, the only people I've seen lately were people who were photographing themselves. I think it was wedding photos or something. Oh, oh right. Um, so, yeah, and wearing masks is mandatory in Taipei, indoors, in public areas. So, um, the exhibits also are being affected because they're going to have to be, some of the ones that they'd planned, they can't do now. Yep. Or they have to be, they have to alter them in some ways. Or postponed. So, uh, the Taipei Fine Arts Museum had planned an exhibition of works by a French photographer that's had to be postponed because France has tightened its border controls, mm-hmm. which I guess means, I don't think that affects photos, but I guess maybe the people who are going to curate the exhibit right. can't come now. Yeah, that's or a thing. Or maybe the photographer himself. Right. Um, and one of the museum's current exhibits, which is a, a picture, it, uh, an exhibit about called One Minute in Taipei by an Austrian artist, that's had to be modified because by cutting the visitor interaction bit. Oh. They don't want people interacting things, so they've just suspended that. Well, that's too bad. Finally, there's the privately run, but yeah, I think equally famous, Qimei Museum in Tainan, which is like a bit of Versailles in Taiwan. Oh, yes. Founded by the owner, I think fabulously wealthy, of this big... Uh, is it mixed? Qimei is Qimei. like... They make a lot of things. TV um, and... Food, too, I think. Food, too. Yes, yes, you're um, right. They announced... Have you been there? I've been outside. Ah. I think they have, like, very well-known works of, of Western art as well as uh, Asian art. and Oh, uh, yeah. Like some Stradivarius violins. They have a lot of very Oh, oh yes, the violin collection. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, they have seen a year-on-year 60% drop in March. Uh, around They were having about 2,000 a day, 2,400 a day last year during March. This year it was about 900 a day. And they've suspended all guided tours, all interactive elements in their exhibits, and everyone has to wear masks. So... I mean, at least they're still open. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, yeah. Like, everyone is saying, may this pass quickly. Usually when you hear the words red algae, you don't usually feel a... It doesn't really inspire very positive, warm and fuzzy feelings, does it? Usually think of like an algae bloom, you know, Uh in the water and it sounds kind of foul. I don't know. But there's <laughs> pollution and... Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Uh, apparently, uh, it's this particular type of red algae, though, is so popular that 50 kilograms of it sold out in five minutes. Uh, um, you mean for... It's edible or what? Yes. It's oh, okay. edible red algae. Okay. Um, it's a species called Sarcodia selenica, and apparently it tastes like kelp and is high in fiber. Um, mm. In Japan, it's eaten as a longevity vegetable, apparently. It's supposed to be one of those superfoods, I guess. Really? Now, well, I, I need to eat more of that. I think I might have had it before, come yeah, to think of it. 50 kilograms of it, though. 
Oh, well, I mean, Would okay. you buy one kilogram no. even? No. Half a kilogram? I think even that's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah. So that's how popular it is. It's cultivated by the Kinmun County Fisheries Research Institute, and uh, they're growing it on a large scale after several trials. Apparently, it has calcium, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, iron, zinc, selenium, and vitamin E, as well as essential amino acids. So that is a long list of things that it contains. <laughs> Most of the periodic table, I think. Um, also, well, if it's what I'm thinking, you know, it's got a nice chewy texture to it. Right. And, yeah. Um, apparently, it also contains some material that can prevent cellu- cellular aging. And the, the good thing, you can feel good about eating this because they're using low-carbon technology to grow it. And so it's not harming the environment. It's wow. not spewing carbon everywhere. And they're thinking this could be big business. And I think, I don't know, Kimon's already known for its seafood, isn't it? And yeah. They have, like, what are they, mussels? And um, I know oh, they are an island, of course. Yes. But, uh, I don't know. This could be maybe the next superfood that we, maybe we could grow it here. Who knows? Just like um, there was a time when we had the Aborigines, they were growing, what's this? Um, oh, um, the, it's a bit like quinoa, isn't it? Yes. It's, called, it's a type it of millet. It is quinoa. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very much like quinoa. Yeah. Um, and All these healthy superfoods that we were growing here. That's great. Well... When you think of the traditional art form, budaishi, which is a type of puppetry, yes, usually you think of uh, a group of older people, usually men, and uh, they sort of are performing maybe for a dwindling audience. It's not something that I think has the mainstream appeal it once had, mm-hmm. um, although they did put it on TV for a while, and that yeah. was popular, but uh, it seems to be something that's waning anyway, and... Uh, we now, though, have a 20-year-old master of this art form who is wow. practicing okay. and making money, surprisingly. So did he learn it from his grandfather or something? Yeah, his grandfather actually founded the troupe, and he's taken it over. And his family wasn't quite sure about this, actually, even though it is their sort of family troupe. Mm-hmm. Um, because he didn't go to university, apparently. He, he decided not to go to college and to take over this troupe instead. I mean, it does run in the family. His father was a sound engineer for them, and he'd grown up with the puppets himself, and so already sort of had that background from a from a very young age. But uh, no, um, he not only was responsible for learning how to operate the puppets, you got to be able to, you know, uh, do the voices, uh-huh. which is an art form in itself. Uh, the movements are extremely lifelike. And right. They, they just, like, it's a glove puppet. You put it over your hand and manipulate it. It's like... Not something that I feel like clumsy people like myself could do very easily. You have to be very... But no, they make them really come to life. And on top of it all, he had to write the script to this first performance that he that, uh, under his management. Oh, like, wow. it's an original work, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also the narrator and also the dramatist, which I think comes with the territory. But you have to be, be able to wear many hats at once. Oh, I play so many roles. That's um, not easy. Uh, his family has was a bit skeptical, but they've actually come around and they've uh, not only volunteered to help out at his performances, but they also provide some money for equipment, like lighting and audio equipment. Because we, are, you know, we we do got to modernize. You it. do, <laughs> um, and um, a lot of his former classmates are actually a bit 
jealous of him, which、oh. is hard to imagine because I don't <laughs> think that a puppetry master can expect to make the same salary as, say, an accountant or engineer. No way. Or something、I'll, like that.、I'll, I don't think. Yeah. But what they're jealous of is that he has a passion and is making a living from it. So he's doing what he loves.、Mm. And、um, when they first started, they only had one show that they were invited to perform to in, and that's not a very promising start. But they've actually gained popularity to the point where they may be asked to perform three days in a row. And they performed six days in a row、uh, on March 20th. They finished up a six day back to back marathon performance.、Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people who pay for these or commission these performances are actually、uh, temples. Okay.、Um, they're、that、not performed、sense. for human audiences necessarily, although people may be present. They're usually for the entertainment of the gods, especially someone might、um, hire them to do a show if, when someone's wish or prayer comes true. He says he feels it actually. He's felt divine attention during his performances at temples. And uh, sometimes uh, they say that when he feels something spiritual during a performance, the temple will say, Oh, this is working, and ask him to do an encore.、Uh-huh. So he's actually,、um, sounds like, it doesn't sound like it's maybe a tremendous living, but he's able to, to make it work. And he took it over at 18. So this is, this is his second year in the business. Well, maybe he should bring, you know, take this abroad. You know, like other countries、mm. probably enjoy this kind of traditional art. I mean,、They、maybe it's still a long、it. way, but I think he should. They'd have、yeah. to adapt it. I think the language is even hard for Taiwanese people to understand sometimes. It's a bit more.、Um, the action bits are very easy to they translate immediately. There's a lot of、yeah. fight scenes and things. <laughs> fight scenes, yeah,、um, I know. Martial but, arts, that kind of thing. There's a lot of poetry, too, and classical Chinese poetry, which even people who speak the Hokkien language, which is the language it's mostly performed in, really don't understand unless they see it written down or have someone explain it to them. So,、right. Well, you know, something about our traditional arts, I mean, there are people from other countries that know how to appreciate our kind of、yeah. art and they welcome it, even if they don't understand the language. You know, like through, I don't know, body language or through just the art itself, art、mm. form, and just what they can see and feast with their eyes. You know, you know that, that's, that's what, yeah, that's enough. And it's visually striking. Yeah, yeah. The movement, the, the acting too is very lifelike. Like you get sucked into this puppet world. Like they're not like, you know, Punch and Judy or little sock <laughs> puppets. They're、mm-hmm. very like, it's highly developed. It takes years of training to master. And、uh, it's good that at least we have one young person. I've interviewed someone who is a, considered sort of a, a living legend in this world、mm-hmm. who says that he has not passed it on to his descendants.、Yeah. He's going to be the last one, and he's like up there in age. That is sad. Because it's hard to make a living. Right,、so. it is. But I think most of these puppets, I mean, they have very elaborate costumes, right? They're expensive. Right. And then also their face,、um, yes. you know, the painting on their face is like pretty, almost lifelike, just really perfect,、um, you know.、Uh, What do you call it? The,、um, the structure. Yeah, the makeup and everything. And、um, the, the, the costumes are so elaborate. Oh, yeah.、Uh, I've heard that they can fetch quite a high price. That's another art form that I think people are really trying hard to preserve because, I mean, with fewer performances, there's fewer people buying the puppets either. And yeah, people like a collection of them, and each of them are very expensive. So that means, you know, that when there's no demand, that art form also dies out the art、mm-hmm. of puppet making. So it's good、mm-hmm. that we have someone at least. Passing this stuff along. And, I know, and 20 year old. We'll still be able to see it, you know, in、yep. our lifetimes. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I am John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Don't go anywhere just yet. Coming up next, it's Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. Oh, <laughs> 
Last weekend, I took a tour to central Taiwan with some friends. And much to our surprise, we made this pit stop along the way at this huge Taoist temple that was only partially completed. Now, the basic structure was in place, and there were statues of gods inside, and it was full of people. But what was unusual about the temple was that it had been under construction for almost a decade, and it still wasn't done. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I bring you to an unfinished temple. An ear to the ground. I love Taiwanese tours. You and a bunch of your friends pile onto a big coach, usually at the crack of dawn, and you turn off your brain. You don't have to choose where you're going to go to or worry about the schedule. There's always good food, and you're bound to end up somewhere completely unexpected. And that's exactly what happened last weekend. But before we got there, we had the obligatory self-introductions. Now, every coach in Taiwan comes equipped with a microphone, which is most often used for karaoke. And of course, being the only white guy on the bus, I was asked to say a few words about myself in Chinese. And then again in English. Hi everyone, my name is Andrew, and I'm from Massachusetts in the United States. Uh, I work for Radio Taiwan International. I've been in Taiwan for 16 years. And by the time we got that out of the way, we were ready to make our first stop. Now sure, it's a little strange to pull up in this huge parking lot and see a statue of Guanyin, the goddess of mercy, with a red cloth tied around her head so that she can't see. I thought that was a little unusual, but apparently it's because the temple isn't finished, so they haven't consecrated the statues yet. Nearby, there's a pile of rubble and some rusty girders, and in back, a huge deserted building surrounded by scaffolding. But when we walk inside the main hall, we discover that it's full of people. Temple workers pass out incense to visitors and guide them from station to station. People line up in front of an old woman who's swirling incense sticks and saying prayers over them. Downstairs, there's free food and chanting to traditional music. And everywhere you look, there are offering boxes, perhaps in the hopes that someday they'll accumulate enough money to complete the construction on the temple. As we leave the temple and board our bus, I'm still puzzling why after a decade's gone by, they still haven't completed the temple, especially when business is so good. You have to understand that our tour bus was not the only one sitting in the parking lot. As we get on our way, someone I've never seen before picks up the microphone and starts speaking. It's a woman selling seaweed snacks and facial creams. That's also part of the Taiwanese tour experience. It's always amusing to see what they sell, and sometimes it's even worth buying. But as she's making the hard sell, she's rubbing cream on all of us, it suddenly occurs to me why the temple hasn't been completed. Ask any seasoned salesperson, and they'll tell you that if they finished building the temple, there'd be a pretty serious drop-off in donations. 
But perhaps we should wait another 10 years to be sure. We'll go back for another visit and maybe we'll discover that the original buildings are done and that there's a whole new array of unfinished buildings waiting for the tour buses to arrive. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. You've just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. And today with me is Dallas Waldo. You're from Canada and you've been in town for how long now? Over seven years, seven and a half years. All right. So you are a rapper and you're getting pretty popular here in Taiwan, I would say. But uh, we're going to start with one song first before we chat some more. How's that? Okay. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to start with Taiwan is my home. Oh, 
Just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and here with me is Dallas Waldo, a Canadian a rapper who's been in Taiwan for seven years now. And that was Taiwan is my home. So Taiwan really is your home, huh? What happened? How did you end up here in Taiwan? Uh, well, I was studying international business in university with uh, Mandarin Chinese as a minor. So um, when I graduated, I decided I wanted to keep on studying. Chinese, and so I, I came to Taiwan and I studied at the National Taiwan Normal University's Mandarin Training Center, and mm. then the rest is history, as they say. So you're pretty fluent in Chinese now. You can converse totally in Chinese, right? Yeah. Can you write in Chinese too? Because you've been writing me using Chinese characters online. I don't know how you did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I'm using a computer or a cell phone, like it's really no problem. Like character recognition, I, I read in Chinese quite often. Now the handwritten part is like, especially since I stopped going to school, like I don't write as much. But I still like to practice. Like I'm reading books on like Chengyu, and I'll I'll practice those. And I've even like gotten a little bit into Lunyu just to kind of. Keep my wow. brain fresh and keep writing Chinese, yeah. Well, you're pretty serious about the Chinese language, it sounds. Why do you want to learn Chinese? I don't know. I mean, I guess just after years, you know, it's been like 10 years. It's kind of just become a part of who I am and what I like to do. I, it's just like puzzles, really. And I just kind of find the, the whole Chinese language to be pretty mm -hmm. interesting. And, um, you know, like things like Chengyu, where you just put four characters together. Chinese and you have idioms, a whole story. yeah. Mm, yeah, those are idioms, Chinese idioms, yeah. right, right. I just think it's a very interesting language, and uh, it's just uh, languages are a different way of thinking. So I, I just like to expand my mind in that way. Wow, that's great. So you have a love for the Chinese language, and you have a love for Taiwan. Now, what's the inspiration behind this song, Taiwan is My Home? Well, that was actually, uh, I made that song with uh, Wu Feng, is a very popular uh, television star here in Taiwan, and um, he's a good friend of mine. And he was he was coming up on his his ten year anniversary in Taiwan, and he approached me saying he wanted to make he wanted to make a rap song. He wanted to do something different. So we got together and we're thinking, well, what do we have in common that we could come up with and make something interesting? And so you know, pretty obvious, just Taiwan is my home, and let's just make something to commemorate this place that has been so good to us over the years. And we got together with another French. Uh, beat maker who's also living in Taiwan, and we just made this this cool song that's done all by foreigners who live in Taiwan, and we had a lot of fun with it. The music video was also shot on his. Uh, he was shooting a television show at the time called I Wan Ke, mm -hmm. and I I went I went on the show at the time as well, and we had a lot of fun doing that music video. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a really fun song. 
I love performing it every time the whole Lito Aritoi and everyone will return in the crowd. What do I want? You know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Wow. Okay. So the two lines you just said was in Taiwanese, the local dialect. And it's, yeah. uh, it's basically like, you know, where do you live? You know, I live in Taiwan. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That is really awesome. Gosh, yeah. you even know the Taiwanese dialect too. <laughs> okay. A, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> that's good enough. Were you already a rapper in Canada before you came? Yeah. Yeah. So oh. I had been uh, writing raps and freestyling for fun more since like high school. And once I got into university, I, I did my first shows on stage and uh, I just kind of been performing and studying at the same time, you know, but being, you know, university is such a busy time. I never really had time to focus on the artistry. And so what, once I graduated, you know, that was when I was in Taiwan, when I finally stopped going to school. And uh, and I just like, you know what, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And uh, so I've been fortunate enough to be an artist for the last full time three years. And I've been doing m making my art here in Taiwan for about six years. All right. Wow. Well, I say it's time we play another song. It would be Truffle Dumpling. So yeah. I'm not sure if I had truffle dumplings here in town yet. Is that, yeah, really, I mean, is that really what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ding Tai Fong has them. There's oh, a couple Ding Tai Fong. Yes, the famous uh, soup the, dumpling place. Oh, yeah. Mm. And they're just, you know, the whole point of the song is, uh, you know, there's lots of dumplings and bows and all these different things. But, you know, this truffle dumpling is, is just like the tip top, the cream of the Heaven. crop, you know, and it's, <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind of describing like the woman of your dreams type thing. I have a little fun with the, with the foods and the metaphors and things like that. If you listen to the, the lyrics, it's actually more of a love song. Okay. All right. Well, let's have a listen to that now. Truffle dumpling. I like you more than you know. I like you more than. 
then I show I was so scared to get hurt Yeah, yeah, yeah Until I found what it's worth You the whole getting caboodle First time I saw you, I spit on my noodles All of the homies adore you They said I couldn't afford you But for you, it's do or die Yeah, till we unify I work two jobs and I'll push Uber on the side I just hope my baby never ever goes cold on me out here is song lu in the west we know it is truffle but a truffle by any other name would still just be a truffle i mean some just can't fathom they say you ain't the one for me I come from up north, you from the east, how could this be? Wait, I done ate that French bread, I done nibbled on Swiss cheese Had that grass-fed Aussie steak, my sushi made by Japanese Thanksgiving and Christmas feast, till I see you in Taipei And I wonder if I ain't see ya, what a still eat dog in Korea, Hey. Dallas, where do you want to go from here with your music? Are you planning to stay in Taiwan well, for, for, for good? Well, I was actually, before all this coronavirus stuff broke out, I was looking to uh, get some schooling back in Toronto. I gotta say, after all this time, I do miss home, I miss my family and uh, all this kind of thing. But obviously now with the situation that's going on, it's not a good time to go anywhere. So um, for the foreseeable future, yes, I will remain in Taiwan. Taiwan is definitely my, my second home. And even if I went back for a little bit of schooling, I think I would inevitably find myself coming back at least every once in a while. And um, What do you think about the Taiwan's music scene in general? Taiwan's music scene. Well, there's... Um, there's quite a bit of like festivals and stuff that go on here for an island that is, you know, quite small. So it's it's cool. I, I would like to see more more international hip hop artists coming out. That's one thing we don't really see. We see a lot of um, EDM DJs and things like that um, coming out because, you know, when, when these people come, then the local artists have a chance to work with them and, and be around them and learn from them. I think that's really great. But there's a lot of creativity going on here. Uh, I play with a lot of local artists like in a band recently. Mm -hmm. I've been going kind of more of like a band vibe with still rapping, but bringing it more live instrumentation. And that's a lot of fun. And there's just a lot of people who a lot of different elements to bring to the table. It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you certainly can really rap. And I just, you know, wonder how long do you spend and how do you go about finding those lyrics just... So that makes it smoother for you to rap. I mean, it's a bit of uh, that curve, I think. It, it's like exponential, I think. At the beginning, you can spend a lot of time just trying to find words that rhyme. And after that, <sighs> rhyming is kind of not really the issue. Oh. It's more finding, um, you know, what's, the, what's really the message? What's the clever thing that you want to say that's going to make people say, wow, you know? I mean, you know, to be honest, like... I, I, ha I just released an EP where everything was improvised, you mm -hmm. know, freestyle. I kind of like doing things 
improvisational because it's the most natural. I think one thing, if we spend too much time on lyrics and we try to perfect things, they lose this natural feeling. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes forced. And it's like, well, who are you trying to please? You know, what what exactly are you trying to do? It's not you anymore. I think music really needs to come from the soul and be something that you feel first, right? Mm-hmm. And if we spend so much time on something, creating this, you know, masterpiece or whatever, sometimes I, I just feel it can be a little bit forced. And in the end, it's, you know, it's not even a masterpiece that you're hoping for. And sometimes the things that we make in the quickest instance that just come out of our minds and our hearts, it's just the most real and the things that people vibe to naturally anyways. So mm-hmm. that is kind of a bit of a trick question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Um, is there any advice you can you want to give to the young musicians here in Taiwan? I would say just work within your boundaries and work with what you have. Meaning, like, you don't have to create, like, a crazy music video that has all these special effects and everything, especially if it's not what you can afford or what you have the resources to do. If you don't have the right equipment, mm-hmm. like just then don't do that because it's, it's going to come out as forced and it's not going to look great. And you might as well just do something simple, like just a single video of you rapping and just show your show your raw skill with what you have and build up a fan base and followers based off of your core talent. And eventually people will see you and people will want to collaborate and maybe even somebody will want to sign you and put some money behind you. Whereas just trying to go too big too quick can, again, just kind of come off as forced and you'll end up just putting a lot of resources down the drain. Wow. Great. Thanks. All right. So what's uh, the inspiration for the very last song we're going to play? Wherever you go. Wherever you go. So this is off my latest EP, which is called One Take Gilly Menno. That's exactly what it is. This whole EP was done in one take. This is the thing I was telling you about where it's mostly done improvisational. Uh-huh. Yeah, in a place called Gilimeno, which is a very tiny island in uh, Indonesia. I took a trip there for about three weeks and I was just, you know, reading all kinds of books about, you know, oh. a lot of like self-introspection and, and things like that. And then also just meditating and yoga. I was in this vibe that was just <laughs> like, it was amazing. It was a really good vibe. And I was just, I met all these musicians there. Uh-huh. This tiny little island, I tell you, these they were just some amazing people. We made some magical moments there. Luckily, I brought my microphone to this tiny island, mm. and we would just set it up on a table beside the beach or just in the in the forest a little bit, so you hear birds chirping and waves coming in and the bugs in the back. And but it's a very raw uh, style of music. Now this one. Wherever you go, it's one of the ones that's a little bit more. It's just myself, another artist with a guitar, and he also sings the chorus. Wherever you go, just meaning following your heart to mm. where it is that you want to go, and and that is where things will just work out the best, you know. Because actually, this song, uh-huh. I I actually tried to make verses for it. We recorded it twice, and I was just like, this is just not working. You know what? I'm just gonna put the book down. And I'm just going to freestyle. And it came out in a way that is just, that was just perfect, you know. And to (laughs) me, I think that's really just what it is. When you follow your heart and when it's just natural and you speak from the soul, that is 
when some of the best art is made. Well, thank you so much, Dallas. That was wonderful. Wish uh, this, the program was longer to can learn more about your life, but uh, maybe for another time. Well, Absolutely. thanks, Dallas. Yes. Thanks okay. a lot, Jeremy. All right. Well, you've been tuning to Duke Post Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and this last song is called Wherever You Go by Dallas Waldo. <laughs> a disservice when I picked up the book then I took a second look realized that the answer was inside my heart yeah so let me express my art yeah to perfection maybe not but I get medicated then I meditate almost to a state where I can levitate yeah I'm getting paid I can see it through the third eye now I'm looking at all my problems from the bird's eye yeah cause I'm flying like the falcon I'm a wild stallion yes they slipped up when that was just a hiccup but I picked up now I got back where I left off and I'm about to take off yeah I'm like a rock and I take it out to the tropics we in the gillies yeah it'd be silly if I think I really want to live back in Taipei no way cause a Friday is just another brainless night just drinking and boozing I'm losing my mind confusing all this entertainment with some kind of shit that I want to be no I need a new arrangement take it back to the place that I came from yeah C-A-N in 88, that's the place where I really wanna be Cause I miss a family And you know I gotta be close With the ones that matter most Yo, let's I'll have a toast go, I'll go, I'll go
just follow the compass That's inside of my mind That's inside of my soul That's untouchable, pure gold Yeah And it shines like the stars in the night Leading me home Yeah And it shines like chrome Yeah I know I speak monotone Cause I don't wanna get too excited Too many feelings inside but I fight it <laughs> Slightly going Get this off of my chest Got too much stress But I do my best Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International Broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.